This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Yeah, really a very special service here for you folks today and what a treat it is just to, just to be able to preach today. You know, I'm walking in with Anthony and Anthony's like, boy, it just feels blessed today. And it does. It feels blessed. Today is the day that we actually launch our Easter series. And as I'm going to be talking about a number of times is, is people come with all kinds of different perspectives on Easter and can we have this? Can we be surprised? allowing ourselves to be surprised about the great depth and richness in this story. They can help our lives in immeasurable ways. The series is going to have three parts to it. Walk with us is the title. When we had, please say the H word there. When we had once, that's today. When we had once hoped, we once hoped for something. Hoped for maybe a certain career, or hoped for maybe a certain way for our family to look, or, or a certain way for our marriages to look, or a certain way for this, or a certain way for that. We all have that place. We think, I just hoped, I just hoped. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And then next week, walk with us part two when we are angry. And the big Easter service, walk with us in joy. Now the part about folks about Easter that I really believe, and I really believe this to my core, this next slide explains it, is that what does Easter do? Easter is here to place us somewhere including places where we once had hope, to give us new horizons. So very often, you know, as a pastor, you know, we're all walking on this journey together. As we say here all the time, we're all walking each other home, and, and we all have blessings, and we all have breakings, and, and, and we, we go through those times. And Easter always kind of places us. Like when I'm talking to people who are going through a really hard time, I'm thinking, this is their Easter. When I'm going through a hard time, think, yeah, this is Easter for me. And it's this story that just again and again comes back to these beautiful, beautiful truths that just are, just are universal. For those, I know we got a lot of first-time people here, universal, universe, one song. It speaks to the one song. And it speaks to stuff that's a lot of fun. Do you guys want to see my socks? Do you want to see my... Look at these. I better get a round of applause for this. Yes. I am nothing but eye candy today. So why would Chuck wear socks like that? Well, he would wear socks like that because he went down to the Ronald McDonald house. Ah, and had a great time with his dear friend, Anthony, as well as some other people. So Anthony has joined us at New Church Live before at our benefit auction. He actually won the door prize, gave it right back to New Church Live, which is extra credit in a pastor's brain. And Anthony's just a dear, dear, dear man, and he asked if he could just share a few words with New Church Life. So we give him a really, really warm round of applause. Anthony. Good morning, friends and New Church Live family, and uh, thank you very much for having me this morning. And I also want to thank Reverend Chuck, as well as Jessica, for coming down to the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House and allowing us to share a little bit about the house with them. Um, for those of you that don't know, the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House is a home away from home for families of seriously ill children from all around the world. Uh, here in Philadelphia, 
it's, you know, we are very fortunate for our pediatric care in regards to Children's Hospital, Will's Eye, St. Christopher's, and the Shriners Orthopedic Hospital. And the world comes to Philadelphia for their pediatric care. And when they get here, they need a place to stay. And what the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House does is give them that place to stay and, and try to bring some normalcy back to their lives where their focus is only on that seriously ill child and none of the other challenges that they're dealing with in regards to siblings, uh, in regards to where they're going to sleep, where they're going to eat, uh, you know, how, how the, the siblings are going to be taken care of and who are you going to talk to. And, uh, because of partners like New Church Live and others, we're able to do that. Uh, you guys have been to the house and prepared dinners on a countless time for the families. And we do that 365 days a year. Uh, for the siblings that are there, they sometimes get left out because of that seriously ill child. And we, and, and we bring them back to the light with a ton of different activities from local things going on in Philadelphia, like the zoo, the Please Touch Museum, our sporting events, concerts, and things like that. Um, as well as when a family is dealing with a seriously ill child, everything is towards that seriously old child, and they're probably not going to work, and financial complications come about, and we have funds set aside to support that as well. So I'm just here to say thank you very much, to bring a little bit of awareness uh, to the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House, and again, the new Church Live. On behalf of the families that we serve, a heartfelt thank you for your support. So I remember, and it will actually fit into today's service, you know, thinking about these families. And these families all had hopes. And then there were these things that changed those hopes, that, those threshold moments, that call that just changes your life, right? And we've been going down there for, you know, I've been going down there close, I was trying to think like 18 years or so, you know, not every week, obviously, but, but once or twice a year to cook for a meal. And just all the stories that are there, like we talk about it up here and then, and then these stories, these stories. Wow. Can I share a story with you? So this is a story I want to share with you. It's a story of this beautiful family from up in the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton area, which is where I used to teach up that way. And this family was sharing about like this, this moment about a month ago where they found out that their, their son in vitro needs to have surgery and needed to have it immediately. So they needed to drop everything. And think about this, folks. Put your own family in this situation. Within a week, move to Philadelphia, live at the Ronald McDonald House to get this special surgery, and then remain there until their son arrives. What a change that is. All those things, we had hoped this. And now all of a sudden, your challenges are that. What a different place. God there too. It was very touching to me. I mean, I think Anthony would say there was zero dry eyes as we're hearing their story. And I asked them the question. I said, said, hey, I'm going to give you a little shout out at New Church Live. And I, I just, what do you want people to know? And instantly it went to this. Like, clear your mind for a minute and listen to what the mom had to say. I believe it's going to be okay. And no matter what, we're going to love our son. And no matter what, 
we're going to love our son. That's a soul speaking. That is God's grace moving through people. That's where we can start to place ourselves in the Easter story. We all go through it. We all have different ways of going through Easter. And coming back to that ultimate reality, the very ultimate of reality, which is always love. And I want to share with you another story from the Bible that kind of speaks to that and speaks to this experience at the Ronald McDonald House, speaks to life in so many different ways. It's a story, actually, and I wanted to do this a little bit differently. I wanted to do this a little bit differently. I'm going to hop over onto this carpet real quick and then hop back. All right? It's a story that takes place outside of Easter over here. Easter has happened. Christ has, been, has died and has been resurrected, though people don't know it. It's a story that takes back here, and it's about two people, and they're not sure whether it's two, two men or a man and a woman, we're not sure, but, but they're looking back at this Easter experience they've just gone through, and they don't really understand res- that, that Christ, that there's a resurrection yet. They just see an ending, plain and simple, an ending. So I'm going to step back over here now. This is a story known in the Bible as the story of the road to Emmaus. What happens in this story is that these two, two men are walking along, and all of a sudden this stranger shows up. Well, the stranger ends up being Jesus. And very typical of, of Jesus, you know, he shows up, and he's, he's not here to sort of tell them what it is. He shows up and he says, what's going on? Tell me your story. That's beautiful, right? Starting out with saying, tell me your story. So he walks with them. This is a great process, by the way, folks. Just so you know, take a note. Walks with them, asks them their story, tells them his story, shares with them his story, and then they go to dinner. It's a nice flow. It's a nice flow. With this story and the, and the beauty of it, the first thing that they hear is that they, they, first thing that Christ hears from them is about the blessings. And they make this beautiful line, this beautiful piece of scripture from Luke. They said, oh, and this man, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And again, it's not like, it's not like Christ is going, yeah, that was me. Doesn't do that. He listens. And then, folks, you have to hear the pathos in their voice. You have to hear the hope that had been. This is a man, powerful in word in word, in what he said. What he said changed our lives. And then what he did. What he did, we had seen pictures like this, I imagine them saying. Pictures of healing. Picture of hands. And they had heard again and again about a new way to live, a new way to do this life. That brings us closer to who we were created to be. That brings us closer to who we actually are in God. In whom we live, breathe, and have our being. Beautiful. But then the story hits the snag. And you have to picture Jesus walking along as this part comes. This part that comes, I think, in all of our lives in some way, shape, or form. That line is this. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. They had seen this. They had, they had seen this, this person who they had put so much hope into, 
whose words had changed their lives, whose deeds they had seen as deeds of healing. And they end up, no doubt, with maybe this kind of picture in their mind. Jesus dying on the cross, largely alone, largely forgotten. That brokenness. And then they shared this line. And this is, this is like the, the Bible, folks. I say this a lot, but the Bible, the genius of the Bible is not that it's a perfect document. It's not. It's about how we wrestle with faith. If you go to the Bible thinking it's like a, a recipe book that's filled with all the certain ways to get certain outcomes, you're going to leave disappointed. It's about the wrestling and the ambiguities of life. And how we find love even in those places. So you'll hear some of that pathos here as they have this beautiful line of scripture. Please say the H word there. But we had hoped. We had hoped. That immediately places us in the story. At least it does for me. We had hoped. But we had hoped. I imagine we could pass the microphone around here. We're not going to do it first time attendees. Don't worry and don't flee. I imagine we could pass around the microphone. And for each one of you here, you could answer that question right now. But I had hoped for this. But I had hoped for that. It's a poignant line. I want to kind of leave it hanging there as the band comes out. I want to leave it hanging there as the band comes out. Because I want you to think for a minute about where that shows up, where that is for you. How, when we walk with God, we walk in that place where we had hoped, and we walk in that place, strangely, where maybe God had had hopes too. And what does it look like in that place? How does it work? How do we find grace? How do we find healing? How do we find that place where we can see that there is a future? Because, folks, it's always darkest before the dawn. And there is light right on the other side of moments just like that. The overwhelming love of God. Two people. Road to Emmaus. This plea we had hoped. We had hoped. You think about, folks, the horizon that they were moving towards. You know, it was a stormy horizon, maybe little pieces of blue, but it was still a stormy horizon that they were looking at and their futures and their worries and their concerns. All those concerns, I mean, even ramped up from what we would have because literally they would imagine would have been very logical for them to think even their very lives were in danger. Because they had seen the cost of living a life of love as exemplified by Jesus. We pick up the story from there. 
from that line, but we had hoped, and the story goes on, for those of you who are following, we're in Luke 24. Then some of our companions, and this is the two people talking, some of our companions went to the tomb and found it as the women had said, but him, Jesus, they did not see. Now that line there is interesting to me, right? Because because the tomb, Jesus is resurrected, he's not in the tomb. For those of you who aren't Christian, you know, again, come back Easter, that's what we celebrate. But that's all they saw was the empty tomb. I know for me, I imagine for you, that place of, but I had hoped. But we had hoped. We're in that place, oftentimes, all we see is the empty tomb. The promises appear empty. The ideals appear gone. It's a hard place to be. And Christ goes on in this story and he starts talking to them and he starts, he starts sharing with them stories from the Bible. Not saying, hey, this is me, but saying, hey, here's stories about this. About the way life functions. And then it goes on and it says this. And as they approached the village, the village's name was Emmaus, to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is over. So he went to stay with them. In New Church Live a few weeks ago, we were laughing about how in the Bible, Jesus is always inviting himself over to dinner. And this is another one of those, another one of those occasions. I'll come to your house. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared from his sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? And sometimes that gets translated, weren't our hearts being gently warmed? While he talked with us on the road and opened up the meaning of Scripture to us. Beautiful lines there. And I love, you know, these stories. Again, you come back to them year in and year, and that's the advantage of things like Christmas and Easter. You come back to the stories year in and year out. And these stories, thousands of years old, never fail to open up in new ways. This is how it opened up for me as a pastor this year. When exactly did they recognize Christ? What exactly was the moment where their eyes, what we in the new church would say, their spiritual eyes, opened? Was this moment. A moment there of breaking bread. And there's another part to the story, too, which I hadn't noticed, frankly. And he began to, say the G word there, began to give it to them. Now, that may not seem like much, but then when you reread the story, you realize they arrived at this house and they had no bread. <laughs> So here, and doesn't this sound like, for those of you, a lot of you won't have any clue what I'm talking about, this totally fine, this is a complete insider speak. Doesn't this sound like the feeding of the 5,000? All of a sudden, he pulls out bread, and he breaks it. Folks, like, sit in that moment. Because there was a smile on Christ's face at that moment. A knowing in Christ's face at that moment is he breaks the bread and he offers it. 
I no longer call you disciples. I call you friends. That's the moment of recognition. Do we see that, folks, again and again? Yes. I think back to the experience Anthony and I had along with Jessica and the group there. And, and here's, here's this moment, and here's this family sharing and other people sharing. One of the co-founders was there, Billy Donovan. What a character. Uh, really amazing people. And I'm thinking about this sermon in the back of my mind and everybody's there sharing and they're sharing from their heart and they're sharing from their soul and I'm seeing the bread being broken and offered right there at that table and not all of us were Christians at that table. But did that matter? No. What mattered is that there was a sharing and a recognition of God at work through giving. A recognition of God at work through giving. Even in those moments where we had a life we had hoped for that is no longer the life we live. The overwhelming love of God that Josh so beautifully sang about. There in that moment. Now important to add this as well. This is about horizons. Horizons not as rigid boundaries, but of things towards which we are moving and which moves with us. It's about a hope that is a horizon. Again, not a boundary like I can only go there. No, it's, it's this horizon that we are constantly moving towards forever to eternity. That's what heaven is. Moving to this beautiful horizon that we know is there. God gives us these little hints at dinner and then he goes. But he gives us these hints, and they're more than hints. They're, they're just, they're, they're these sure knowledges of, yep, God is here too. And it's not just that horizon outside of us. It's a horizon inside of us. Could I get an amen on that one? Amen. amen. It's a horizon inside of us as we're getting ready to get married. It's a horizon inside of us as we move forward in life into new things, into new territories. It's a horizon within life. It says, I'm here too. There's incredible beauty in that, and a new horizon starts to open. It's beautiful in the story that they're headed north up towards Emmaus. They meet with Christ at their house, and then it says they immediately turn to Jerusalem, which you got to love. Boop. They immediately flip to a new horizon. I believe it was the best sunset they ever saw. Certainly would be for me. And it begs the question here, folks. Is it possible to find those new horizons where we once had home? And the answer is yes, it is. It won't look exactly the way we think, but they'll be there. I want to share with you a little story here. And I'm going to go over to the carpet here to share it. This is a story, and we're going to put up words here in a minute, but not yet. This is a story of Joe Biden, and I'm going to come to this coffee mug in a second. 
story of Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a congressman, was the vice president of the United States, was reading some about his story. And it so speaks to this idea of new horizons and, and how do we work with those places where we had hoped and where life gave us changes and how do we find a different kind of hope on the other side of all that. It's reading his biography. Joe Biden, as a young married man, lost his wife and one-year-old daughter in a traffic accident in 1972. Two sons survived. And those two sons went on to become incredible human beings. And then his oldest son, Bo, as many of you might be aware, passed away from cancer. So Joe Biden is a man who knows loss, who knows grief, who knows no doubt what that Bible story is all about, where it says, and we had hoped. And he offered these incredibly beautiful words. And here he's addressing, he's, he's in the White House, when he was in the White House, he's addressing a group of parents who had lost children, lost sons and daughters over in the Middle East, veterans. And he said, there will come a day, and I think a new horizon there, I promise you, and your parents as well, when the thought of your son or daughter or your husband and wife brings a smile to your lips before it brings a tear to your eyes, it will happen. My prayer for you is that that day will come sooner or later. But the only thing I have more experience than you in is this. I'm telling you it will come. Is that beautiful? That is beautiful. That is what is true. We kind of all know that. I remember way back when I was a, was a housing administrator at the, at the school right across the way. And it's a story I share, but I haven't shared it for years, and it just came to my mind this morning. We used to have the young men over there, teenagers, lead chapel. Um, probably about two out of every ten were good. Eight out of ten, thanks for the effort. But then there were a couple of them that were just like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. One dealt with a mug that a young man brought in. And, you know, church has its own sort of Chotsky market too, you know? And part of the Chotsky market for churches is the famous poem, Footprints in the Sand. How many of us have heard Footprints in the Sand before? <laughs> Probably all of us have. If you haven't, just Google it and order the mug. <laughs> Essentially, it says, like, Christ, I, I looked. I was on the beach. I had hoped. I had wanted things in my life. I had thought you were there, and I'm walking along, and, and I'm walking along, and I kept looking behind me, and all I saw was one set of footprints. That's all I saw. And Christ says, they were mine. I was carrying you the whole time. This young man brought in this mug, and it was like the most significant truth he'd ever found in his whole life. <laughs> and he preached from a coffee mug. And I thought, amen, brother. One of the best sermons I ever heard. 
these pieces, folks, this way of living life, this understanding of the Easter story, this allowing ourselves to be placed within it and to see this story as a meta narrative that goes across so important. That's why I invite you, I implore you, over the next few weeks, not just to listen to the story or to decide whether peeps are a good thing or a bad thing, but inhabit the story. Let it change you. Let it show you a path forward. Let it show you that Christianity is much more, much more around the heart and how we live and how we breathe out there into the world than the way it sometimes, unfortunately, gets cast. And you will find, by the end, resurrection. A new form of joy. A new form of hope. I'd ask you now to please join me in prayer. We're going to do a last song, and this is a big last number. So we're going to practice. Can, can I lead you in practicing the, uh, what do they call it, Ray, the chorus? Oh, thank you. Uh, can we practice the chorus together? All right, ready? I hope. Ready? You all know the chorus. All right, you're all good. So if you would like to, after I'm done with the prayer, if you would like to, and I hope some of you choose to, you know, feel free to stand up, join with the band. We're joined by a wonderful group of, of, of musicians today, a wonderful group of volunteers who are also offering their musical talents today. And really, you know, let's, let's think about this song. Let's think about I Hope. Let's think maybe about inhabiting Easter. Not just celebrating it, but inhabiting it, inhabiting it this Easter season. Amen. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us. Help us on our walk. Help us in that place, that place, Lord. The place where it just rung so true, right to our core. Where these two beautiful people offered the line, where I had hoped. Where I had hoped. Let us be in that place, Lord, moving through that darkness, moving through that fear, moving through that worry to a new hope, a new way a rebirth, a peace beyond all understanding, a peace, Lord, where we see your hands and recognize your giving in the breaking of bread, in that very goodness of life. Bless this congregation. Bless these people. Bless these children. Bless our way home. I hope. Amen.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.